Hello, hello, it's James here, James from the very podcast that you are about to listen to, or I suppose if you want to get technical, are actually listening to right now. A very quick shout out, uh, because shout outs are a thing that we like to do on occasion when we befriend another podcast. A quick shout out to Brian and Ryan, the guys behind uh, Burgers and Fries, your one-stop Bob's Burgers podcast. Uh, this one, this podcast goes through every episode of the show, from the very first one onwards. Uh, they dissect it, pick it apart, rate it, tell you which ones they liked, which ones they didn't like. If you're a big fan of Bob's Burgers, and you should be because it is wonderful, not that I'm here to tell you what you have to like and don't like, just if you haven't watched Bob's Burgers, it's really good. Uh, if you are a fan then this is a great way of reliving some of the past episodes and uh, hearing some very spot-on analysis. Uh, That's our plug for this week. Burgers and fries. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. We won't take Interesting spikes there on the uh, on the can open, on the can open. Like that's the end of the sting. Is that can open, <laughs> or possibly the start of the episode? It's hard to say. Oh, uh, you mean the start of the episode seventeen of Pods in the key of Springfield? Yeah, yeah, or Pitcos. Pitcos. I mean, not like not the catchiest acronym. <laughs> no, it's a bit weak. <laughs> Pitcos, a bit weak. Yeah, so our Pods in the Key of Springfield, a Simpsons podcast to give our full uh, SEO-friendly name. Yes. Yes. Uh, that, that is James, by the way. Yep, I am James. And I'm Nick. And you are Nick. So that's who we are. And The um, host of this specific podcast that you have tuned in for. Of this specific one. And we thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. Come on in and, you know, just sit down, take a load off and just... You know, for the next hour or so, or I mean, three hours, nine nine years, we never yeah. know how long these would go Be for. Be transported to a wonderful fantasy land of The Simpsons. Of The Simpsons. Through us. Two guys. Two old mates. Two old mates. A video game journalist and a lawyer who yeah. like The Simpsons. Who like The Simpsons a lot. And have chosen to subject you to their ramblings. <laughs> two mates who like The Simpsons. And are narcissistic enough to think that other people want to hear their conversations. If this is your first time listening, it's going to get better in a moment, don't worry. I wouldn't guarantee it. So, in today's episode, we look at uh, Season 2, Episode 17, Old Money. Old Money. And (laughs) Season 2, Episode 18, Brush With Greatness. Which I have to say, right off the top, two really good episodes. I enjoyed this week's viewing a great deal. Really good episodes. You know what made it even better? The delicious burgers we had for dinner. Ah, uh, yes. The uh, should we mention the name of the place we got the burgers from? Oh, are it's we, a local sampling for it's, a sp- sponsorship here. I don't think they're going to sponsor us, but it's a local South Australian brand, isn't it? So I'm happy to support them. Yeah, sure. Fancy burger. Fancy burger. Is it fancy burger or fancy burgers? I uh, well, in the Uber Eats app, I think it's fancy burgers, but like R apostrophe S. Like Ooh. the restaurant is owned by a guy called. <laughs> Fancy burger. First or, fancy or surname burger. <laughs> that sounds like the bridge of a really lame hip hop song. First name fancy, last name burger. Fancy burger, fancy burger. Really lame. Really lame. <laughs> really lame. Uh, um, just... But anyway, it was really, really good. Yeah. What do you reckon Fancy's childhood looked like? Do you think he was constantly being forced to cook goulash for his family? Um, and he rebelled, opening his own burger shop? Uh, didn't, his, didn't his parents run a lolly shop in Springfield? Wasn't there fancy sweets or something like that? Dandy candy. Oh, dandy candy. Very different. Very, very different. (laughs) Man, look at all the internet hate. I'm going to cop for that. (laughs) Not being familiar with the uh, beloved Simpsons business, dandy candy. Dandy candy. Well, old money. Chalkboard gag. I will not grease the monkey bars. Now, yeah, you said you had something for this. (laughs) Yeah. So, have you ever broken a bone? No. I've broken one bone in my life. It was my left arm. Uh, which which bone specifically? The arm is full of bones. Oh, um, well, I don't know. One of the arm bones. <laughs> okay. 
I, mean, I can't be any more specific. What are the arm bones connected to the... Uh, the shoulder bone? Okay, cool. And that's connected to the collarbone, which goes near the tie bone, down to the cufflink bone. Which is connected to my wristwatch. Oh, it's a Simpsons ah. reference. So what's this? You broke your arms. Yeah, on, on some monkey bars. So it was I was at kindergarten, it had been uh, pouring with rain. So the monkey bars were greased with water, if you will. I mean, technically, <laughs> grease and water are immiscible. So this is a really bad example. But uh, we were told, um, all right, kids, you, it's, it's stopped raining, so you can go out to the playground now, but don't go on the monkey bars because you fall. And I was like, falling's for chumps. So I jumped off the platform, tried to grab the third or the fourth monkey bar kind of out from the platform. Uh, but of course, they were wet, so I just slipped Fell on my um, fell on my back and broke my arm in the process. Oh no! Yeah, it was real bad. And did it ever heal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I I do like the way you you said very keenly at the start here when it said something about a greased monkey bar. Oh, I've got a story for this. I've got a real good story here. There was no greased monkey bar in that story. I also deny there was the a fa- slicked monkey bar. Slicked. Yeah. I also deny the fact that I said it was real good. <laughs> I, I think I said, oh, cool, I've got something straight off the bat. I think that was what I said. So in this episode, uh, Abe Simpson gets a girlfriend. She dies. Abe gets some money. And uh, that's it. That's that's the episode. So let's dig into it. Sure, let's dig in. Uh, so Nick, right yes. at the start, there's a line in here where Marge says that uh, she believes the family should treasure the elderly. That everyone's being mean to Grandpa and that the kids should grow up with the value of treasuring the elderly. Sure. Nick, should we treasure the elderly? Well, I mean, some of them are okay. Which ones? You want me to go through them all? Yes. We could be here a while. Um, no, well, I, I don't know where you want me to go with this. Um, look. I got my own little list here. I got Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, we'll treasure him. Yep, Larry David. Okay. David Lynch. Noticing a theme here. Betty White. They've all got white hair. That's it. They've all got white hair, and one of them is called White. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm sure there's some others. There's, uh, you're right. This is a very white list. But <laughs> I'm sure there I, are hey, other. I, I, I only meant from a hair color perspective. I assume David Lynch has white hair. Uh, it's gray. Gray? He's got gray hair. Okay. I like David Lynch. Hey, Nick, did you watch Twin Peaks when it was on TV recently? Twin Peaks? Twin Peaks. No. Okay. I've heard something about Twin Peaks. Yes. I heard a podcast the other day where they were talking about apparently the last two episodes, if you play them side by side on the same screen, they match up. Uh, no, that's been largely debunked. I mean, maybe it is, but oh. the the executive producer, I think it was, on the show said, no, no, that's not oh, that's but, not how you meant to do it. But what would the executive producer know about their own show? They would know some things. How, did, how does TV work? <laughs> how does TV work? Uh, you know the power button on your remote? You press that, the TV now, comes on, it goes... Wh- when you say we should treasure the elderly... Yep. I'm sorry, I got bored of the other riff. When you say <laughs> we should treasure the elderly, do you mean we should bury them and mark their grave <laughs> on a map with an X? <laughs> Which we'll put on a cracker and then Polly can hold for safekeeping. Pirates. It's a Simpsons thing. Oh, it's a Simpsons thing. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, a, okay. it's a joke sorry, from sorry, sorry. one of the latest seasons. I'm not very familiar with The Simpsons, <laughs> it turns out. That's what I've learned what I've learned in the bloody nine minutes that we've been recording so far. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's a good thought. Maybe we should be burying the old people and uh marking their graves. I suppose. I mean, I su- it, it's an option. Look, I'm not saying it's the best. I'm not saying this is the final draft. <laughs> Nick, should we pull out of this? Yeah, let's pull out. To... Yep. There's a line early on where Grandpa meets his new girlfriend, B, and he looks at her and says, she has the bluest eyes I've ever seen in my life. Sure. This is something I think about often with cartoons like The Simpsons, where eyeballs are just uh, uh, white circles with black dots in the middle of them. Sure. Is the implication that the characters can see things that we can't see? Does the world of The Simpsons look different to the characters within The Simpsons to what it looks like to us? Well, you know what this goes back to? This goes back to your your theory about the uh, Homer's Night Out. Because yes. remember the photograph to us, the photograph, so uh, when Homer dances with the exotic dancer and Bart takes the photograph with the spy camera and copies mm. are disseminated around the town and everyone gets very, 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 very worked up about a very tame picture. Yep. 
you said, is there more to this picture than we can see? And then I think mm. I made a joke about how it needs to be upscaled to 4K before we can see the full resolution. Yeah, so give us 4K, bro, to Mac Give us 4K, bro. Yeah. But maybe it's the case that we are actually seeing... A, a a very low resolution sketch of the world, and yeah, an in, artistic representation. And in the real world, there are uh, blue irises around the eyes of the blue-eyed people. Yeah, I think about that sometimes. It would explain and the garish. Like a- it would explain the garish colors of everything. Because mm. maybe, I mean, if we're also if we're seeing, uh, you know, it's a bit like if you convert like a a modern JPEG down into like a sixteen-bit bitmap. And all the colours go back to their simplest variants, you know? All right, Mr. Professor. <laughs> if you uh Fuck. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> no, I just mean that, you know, there, there's probably more subtlety in that world. It's just that we're seeing a very... Um, a very... We're seeing an artist's rendering of this world rather yeah. than the world itself. And a very heightened reality in that uh, through that artist's rendering. Hmm. That's interesting. I feel like that actually may be tracks... Which is weird. Tracks? Well, you know, it kind of makes sense oh, sure, to sure, think sure. of the show this way. Even though, you know, none of this actually happened, did it? Am I right in saying that? This is a fictional TV show? Difficult to say. Hmm. What if there's a... What if this is... What if this is a... Oh, no, I'll tell you exactly what this is. This is a... um, Like a, a cave painting. Okay. So, you know those cave paintings where you've got, like, a primitive painting of, like... Yeah, it's a can, painting can, of a cave, and they yeah. show what the cave looks like. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't mean when the bloody roadrunner's trying to capture Wiley Coyote <laughs> with a trompe l'oeil painting of a, of a cave painted on the side of a thing. I mean when you've got, like, what is clearly a representation of a, a man or a woman chasing a wildebeest. Yeah, but the cave that they live in. The, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but it's very sketchy. Yeah. Um, this is that. Of an alternate universe. Yeah, except it became the predominant pop culture of our universe, which is interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that tie back to previous episodes, because that was all a tie back to your Princess Kashmir uh, theory, which is sure. what I'm calling it now. Uh, there's a tie back to anagram theory. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> That's a theory now? That's not just some bullshit? <laughs> okay. It's, okay, okay. What's, it's, what's it's, your anagram thing? It's some bullshit, but... Um, Abe and B, A B E B E A. I mean, it's not a very complex anagram. No, I suppose not. But that's pretty good. I hadn't thought of that. Mm. And you know, A and B, the first letters huh. of the word abacus, which is how you count. And these are old people. It'd be very hard to count how old they are on an abacus. Huh? How does an abacus work exactly? Does each row of an abacus? Go to like the 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 tens, the hundreds, the thousands yeah, column that's... of how we would work it out in primary school. I believe yes. When you have an abacus, you just decide which each what value each row represents, maybe depending on the size of the abacus, and you work from there. Interesting. This has been Abacus Chat. Abacus Let's chat. move back to our primary podcast, Pods in the Key. So of Springfield, I've got a I've got a note here about Herman. Yes. Uh, I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead for your liking. The one-armed man. I've got plenty to say, but we can get to Herman. All right, so Herman, because uh, we are now, what, 17 episodes into season two. Hmm. Herman, I've written here that he seems jarringly season one. Because <laughs> you know how we've talked about this before as well. In season one, everything was heightened and crazy and insane. Yep. Uh, yeah. Now, season two, everyone's mellowed out a bit and all the characters are... I mean, there are still some insane characters, but everyone's a little more plateaued. And then you get Herman, a one-eyed guy running a fanatical uh, military paraphernalia shop. Seems jarringly season one to me. Herman is an intense man. Intense man. And like a, like jumping ahead a few seasons, when, once we get to 22 short films about Springfield. Sure. And he's in that Pulp Fiction parody where it's implied that he is... Uh, kidnapping people and then you know molesting yeah. them. It's yeah. it's fucked. Like he's not a he's a weird character. Hey, w- when we get to that episode, yeah, should we do twenty two short podcasts about it? That's been my plan. Sick. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the numbering system on iTunes going bonkers <laughs> when we try and get to that. So one thought I had during this episode, and this is a broad comment on the episode itself. When I was a kid. I'm pretty sure this was not one of my favorite episodes. This was not one that I thought about or looked forward to. Mm-hmm. Now, as an adult, as an old man, 
I really like this episode. It uh, it hits home more than it used to, I think. There's a lot I really like about it, and I think structurally, it's really well put together. Mm. The first, I was really thinking about the first act is really great in this one, where it starts with them coming back from the liquor store that they've taken Grandpa to for his little excursion outside the uh, nursing home. And then he goes in, and he meets B, and they have this whole whirlwind romance, and you see them together, and like the rest of the family... You know, the first five Simpsons, and here we have the eighth Simpson, Abe Simpson, after Springfield, which to me is a character itself, and Mr. Burns, who I consider the seventh Simpson. Yes. So, we've got <laughs> Abe, he's got his little love yeah. affair. This is this is getting really <laughs> intense to keep track of how many people are in the Simpsons, <laughs> but yeah, okay. And we, we sort of forget about the rest of the family, and then they sort of reappear, and they have not been privy to anything that has happened, and yeah. Homer's completely unbelieving of it, and... At this point, the audience, I don't know, Homer comes in and we're fully on Abe's side. We're mm. very invested in Abe's story. Mm. and uh, Abe and his little anagram girlfriend. Yes, his little anagram. And Homer's, you know, usual japes and jives just don't gel. Yeah. <laughs> japes and jives don't gel. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, James. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uh, Nick. <laughs> um, no, it, yeah, because I found that too, actually. When Homer comes in, it's like, oh, mate. It's not an invisible... Don't mock him for having an invisible girlfriend. He's got a completely visible girlfriend. I mean, maybe she was invisible, though. Did we well, see anyone else ever have a conversation with her? Uh... Oh. Ah. Maybe. Maybe there's more to the anagram than I first thought. Maybe... Because <laughs> she doesn't have the, blue eyes. <laughs> the whole theory from earlier was completely debunked right now the on this very podcast. I just like the look on your face just said, like, oh, I doubt there's more to the anagram theory than he first thought. <laughs> no. Um, so, we it, it is possible that because Abe and B are anagrams, and because I don't think there's anyone else that has an interaction with her, oh, but Jasper... Jasper knows she's dead. He's yeah, he a- mentioned somebody's dead, but like Abe could just be parading around saying, I'm in love with B. I'm an old man. Somebody named B died. Who knows? Uh, I guess so. Because I was going to say that is this Abe. I mean, having- I guess the fact that the whole plot is about him receiving a large amount of money from this woman kind of oh, proves this fuck. entire theory. But yeah, it does. It was I- fun to think about for a moment. Because uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> I was- just imagine a list. <laughs> this one like you fucking idiots of course that's not the case the whole episode is you just watched it you dickheads who who gave you permission to record this podcast you fucking numpties well i'm sorry everyone i was gonna go on a big thing about how abe was having like a spiritual awakening and b was a rearrangement of himself and that he was coming back to talk to himself to better himself but no you're right he doesn't inherit one hundred and six thousand dollars from himself yeah, $106,000, which is a much lower value than I would have guessed knowing the plot of this episode, but not remembering that number. $106,000 yeah. now in whatever this year is, not that much money. Yeah, but I mean, in twenty in, in 1991, two. 91, I believe. In 1991, that was... Three, four, six million? Yeah, at least. Give or take? Several Earths worth of money. Enough that uh, Grandpa is able to set up some sort of thing where people come in and pitch him ideas, and mm. uh, we find out that $100,000 is enough to buy a human life in this episode, which is interesting. That is interesting. I got a lot to say about that, so we'll get oh, to that. About the, about the Mun Robot? Y- yes. I'm, I'm happy to jump to the Mun Robot if you are. Uh, I got a few other things I want to get uh, to I'm, quickly. Uh, when B dies... We see her appear as a ghost yes. to Abe in the roller coaster. So we establish that ghosts actually exist within this world. In this world, God exists, ghosts exist. Yeah, I'm know, not loving this world. To, figures. I'm not. I'm not loving this world, to be honest. <laughs> um, not only do ghosts exist, but she seems genuinely scared when the roller coaster starts its descent. Hey, B, you're already dead. What do you have to fear about this roller coaster's descent? He says with a voice that breaks because his throat's fucked. Hey, Nick. Hey, bro. Is there any possibility that the whole series is a death dream from her perspective? Wouldn't have thought so. No, probably not. She's not a major enough character to have... The, I mean, she hasn't even met the family. How can that she have That or she's the most them? major character, who can say. Uh, the discount Lion Safari makes no sense. No. No. Why is everyone so excited about the discount Lion Safari? 
Did you ever go to Minato Zoo? I have been to Minato Zoo. Adelaide's own discount line safari. <laughs> Um, but is that Minato's not bad though? No, well I don't know. I went there once on a school bus with oh shit! I didn't even realise I was going to do this anecdote, but I will now because I'm here. We, we went there on a school bus in year five, and we happened to be there at the time that Ernie Dingo from the Great Outdoors was there filming. And there's a there's a story. I don't know if it's on YouTube. I've never gone looking for it, but there's me pointing out of a window, excitedly at a lion. Oh yeah. On a segment of The Great Outdoors from 1997. You're pointing out the window at the lion? I mean, it's like, that's what the whole park is. Lions everywhere. Why are you pointing at it? No, 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 because, like, someone, not Ernie, someone else, came down and pointed at me and said, you, come up to the front. And I was like, well, what have I done wrong? And then I got there and he was like, right, we're going to set the camera rolling and then I want you to point excitedly out the window. And I was like, I can handle that. (laughs) So I was like, oh. That's me pointing, by the way. Mamma Mia, look at that. I didn't say Mamma Mia. <laughs> Why not? I should have. Yeah. I really fucked it. My one big shot. Maybe they would have given you a bigger role in the show if you had said Mamma Mia. Or even just like a... I think that kid's got it. Ernie, you're out. <laughs> Nick, you're the new host of whatever show this is. Oh, I hope I said Great Outdoors and not Getaway. <laughs> no, I think I said Great Outdoors. That's okay. I don't think it matters too much. Uh, what else have we got in this one? Uh, I've got a note here about hand jobs. You thought there was a hand job reference in here? Yeah. You missed, by the way, I told you there was a joke in here about erections. Mm-hmm. And did you get it? Did you hear it? No, I missed it. What okay. was it? But I picked up a hand job joke on the way. I thought that was pretty good. It is when, uh, when Homer calls up Marvin Monroe's, uh, family helpline thing. Okay. The third option there is what have I have I actually written it down here? All right, the erection thing, the erection joke on the Marvin Monroe phone menu. The third option is, uh, and this gets cut off by Grandpa arriving at the door. It says, uh, "Press three for people who have trouble maintaining an." Oh, good. And then it cuts away. That's. I don't good. think I've ever heard that line or never taken it in before until this viewing. Yeah. So it was like a new little thing, and I picked this up from that uh, huge Simpsons guide that I have. Yeah, totally. It told me the joke was in here, so I was on the lookout. That's good. For jokes. Well, the uh, the, the handjob joke... Yep. The, the handjob joke that I think is when um, Abe's talking on the phone about the 106000 that he inherited, yep. uh, and how Homer's not going to get a single cent of it. The manager of the um, of the retirement village comes in and says... I couldn't help overhearing about your newfound fortune, and let me assure you that here at Springfield Retirement Castle, money does make a difference. There are rubdowns, and then there are rubdowns. He's a rather globby-looking man. He looks like a glob. Um, he's like uh, Newman from Seinfeld, but in the Simpsons universe. He is a bit like Newman. He is quite Newman-y. Yeah. Quite Newman-esque. I feel like he's the character in the Simpsons world I would trust to like, uh, kidnap a dog and get rid of it. Uh, or possibly yes. to eat a bunch of yogurt. Yes. Or muffin bottoms. Muffin bottoms. Yes. I didn't want to say tops. Top of the muffin to you. So should we get to the bit where Grandpa is going through all the townspeople and their proposals for how they're going to spend the money? Yeah, man. Because this takes a dark turn that I'd sort of forgotten about. How would you spend $106,000? How would I spend $106,000? What would your pitch to Grandpa Simpson be? Oh, that's that's a good segment. Let's do that. Right. You you play grandpa. I'll play the person pitching you. I'm grandpa. <laughs> I can't do a grandpa Simpson. Well, just you just pretend you're him. You don't need to do the voice. All right. Okay. Cool. Okay. Uh, knock knock. Hello. <laughs> Who is it? Uh, it's it's me, uh, James. <clears throat> Come on in, James. <laughs> Doing? I don't know. Stop doing the voice. It's becoming, it's becoming a bit Milo <laughs> Kerrigan, too. Come on in, James. Grandpa Simpson, hello. Uh, I would like the money to... Uh, what I would like the money for... Yes. ...is to create a pilot for my own animated TV series. Oh, what would it be about? It's called uh, Cartoons in the Key of Springfield. Oh. And it's about uh, two handsome young blokes who create a podcast. Yeah. 
and uh, you know it's on the air and it's good, but then they get murdered. And Sweet, I'm into it. And their their ghosts have to find who did it, but the ghosts can only communicate via podcast. So it's about two ghosts that have a podcast. They right. try to solve their own murders. All right, that's it. I'm funding this because we can get a cameo from Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. Okay. Because they have a murder podcast. Okay, yes. I mean, you're writing the script, but I'm putting in that as a funding proviso. Okay. I'm Abe Simpson, by the way. <laughs> you're Abe Simpson, okay. I, I'm Abe Simpson. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm James. Hello, James. So, $106,000. Okay. So, now we reverse. I'll be Grandpa Simpson. Oh, and you pitched to me. How's the change? <laughs> okay, here, here's my proposal for how we spend 106 Yes, hello. Oh, yes. It's me, Grandpa. That's exactly how I remember your voice sounding. I think we do... We set up our own podcast festival. Aye. And then pay $53,000 to Karen Kilgariff and $53,000 to Georgia Hardstark. So they both come to the festival. I really want to meet Karen and Georgia. It's rather derivative, I think. It's rather like this pitch they received from a young James moments earlier. <laughs> moments but, ago, I but, should say. But, but, to use the proper vernacular. 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 <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, what was the dark turn that the other submissions went down? Okay, so the Monroe box. Marvin Monroe's pitch for how he would spend the money. Is it Monroe box? He has devised a torture chamber, essentially. Yeah. A chamber where a child will be kept and uh, give a, be treated poorly for 30 years. Yeah. Have, like, freezing water poured upon him and uh, be subjected to various displeasurable events. The floor can be electrified at a moment's notice. Yes. And absolutely. icy cold showers will fall randomly on the subject. Yeah, so... This is awful. He's constructed this box, and he needs the money to buy a human child yeah. who he can enclose in the box. Yeah. This got me thinking on a few different angles. First of all, I started to think, have I been looking at the wrong person this whole time? Because I've been looking for Dr. Colossus. Oh, I thought you meant Norm. And his nefarious influence. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like maybe Dr. Marvin Monroe, who is more present in these early episodes and huh. then disappears. Huh. But then I kept thinking, because then we get Dr. Professor Frank, who has sure. built a death ray, or is yes. working on a death ray. A prototype for a death ray. So that's his plan. And I got thinking, there are two possibilities here. Okay. The Hit first one it. is that Dr. Colossus, who kind of looks a little frinky, but has the more directed Marvin Monroe form of evil flowing through his veins, I think. Sure. Is some sort of... Uh, Cronenberg's The Fly-esque melding of these two people. Okay, He's cool. some sort of fusion of these two characters. Sure. Who is now living at his nefarious purpose. The other one, so which I that, kind of like more as a theory. So I'm calling that Magi Two-Minute two <laughs> Noodles fusion theory. <laughs> Alright. The other theory that I like more, I think, is that Dr. Colossus, and this brings in your egg flip theory. Sweet. Dr. Colossus... Was the child kept in the Monroe box? Fuck. Yes. Oh, that's so that's genuinely <laughs> exciting. Oh my god. Because he'd be about thirty, wouldn't he? Or oh, probably older than that. It's hard to tell. Oh, so what you're saying is <clears throat> there are two. So for anyone who's just come along, I have a theory that time is a flat circle, like an omelet, and occasionally that omelet will be flipped, and in the moist bits of egg. On the inside of the omelette, the timelines cross, because I'm using time as an omelette here. I like the way your theory gets more egg-based every time. (laughs) And and we've started just calling it egg flip without... It's it's the egg flip omelette time theory. So, let me see if I can correctly apply your hypothesis to my theory. So, in the universe of The Simpsons that we are Mm. observing, there exist... Two Dr. Colossuses, the current established evil nutcase who's trying to take over the world, mm. and the baby in the Monroe box. Mm. And one grows up to be the other, but their existence is in the same time at the same thing because the flip occurred and the 
the the timelines have now crossed and they exist in the same plane of mm. the omelet. That's out. That's actually outstanding. <laughs> I'm actually really excited by that. Weird rumbling noise just happened. The, my my neighbors discovered how to plug their subwoofer in the other night. They were playing they were playing some shooting game like a Call of Duty or something through it, and so for an hour I could just hear through the wall subwoofer like gunfire. <laughs> oh, it was great. <laughs> Um, Jesus, that's loud. Uh, not sure if the, oh, it won't be getting picked up on here because I think I've got a low filter set on the mixer. Yeah, so if you can know. hear a weird rumbling in the background of this podcast, if I leave this bit in, then I'll that's... tell you what it is. It's Doctor Colossus coming to get us. I mean, it, it is eerie the timing on that though. It just Good. kicked in the moment we stopped talking about Old Mate Colossus. Old Mate Colossus. Wow. So that's my that's my thinking now. This scene is that's pivotal really, to that's really what Colossus because is. Munro doesn't get funded from Abe, but he mm. could have got the funding from somewhere else. And he says that it's um it's And we know that Munro is appallingly bad at making money, but I think he would have found a way. Maybe he kidnapped a child. Maybe he used his position as a uh, psychiatrist to say, No no no, this kid has some issues. I'm going to hang on to this kid because he can't be released back to your house. <laughs> and then put him I in love the-, the idea of him saying, I'm going to hang on to this kid for a bit. <laughs> just, just for a bit. Just for it might take years. like 30 years. Just don't yeah. worry about it. Um, interesting. Also, first appearance of Frank. Yep, first appearance of Frank. Professor um, Frank, he makes us laugh, he makes us think. Not till later on. That's true. Uh, then, the episode... Uh, Progresses to Abe finding out that some people live bad lives and are unhappy. What? What? So he says, I'm going to spend all this money on helping the poor. And then it takes a bit of a weird turn where he goes to Vegas Mm. and he's looking to gamble all the money, Mm -hmm. which is season two seems to have this thing where like the end of the episode will suddenly be about something completely different from what the rest of the episode was about. Mm. And in this one, it's suddenly... Homer in the most Deus Ex Machina thing imaginable. All right, I've written Homer Ex Machina on my sheet here. Homer Ex Machina. He into- shows up at the at the nursing home and says, "I need to see my dad right now to tell him I love him," which was not really that big of a concern no. like a moment ago, hmm. because they'd already sort of you know made up. Yes, and then he rushes off to Vegas to confront his dad. His dad quotes to him a Rudyard Kipling quote, which is quite nice, but also not a good fit at all for the situation. Can I also say that the so he quotes "If" by Rudyard Kipling. Yep. Rudyard Kipling in this poem has a very, very, very odd idea of what it is to be a man. Can I can I read my version of it first, and then because I think I I think I remember how this one goes. Sure. But then you can tell me if I got it wrong. Sure. 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 Uh, the guy who loses everything and starts again? That's good, actually. That that bit's good. Yep. That was it. Oh. Did I not get it right? Oh, uh, there's... I mean, you've really <laughs> boiled it down. When you look at the actual poem, I mean, I don't like poems very much. Although, hang on a minute, he does actually quote from the third stanza. Like, just all of it. How does it go? What do, what do we hear? Well, do you want me to do the whole thing? Sure. Oh, it's going to take far too long. Just the bit that he does. Oh, sorry, that bit. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss. Is pitch and toss... It doesn't matter. Is that like coits? Maybe. Who's playing coits? <laughs> uh, risk it all on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew... To serve your turn long after they are gone. I don't know what that means. Um, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. And then he skips a bit. But if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much... If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. So, what what he's done here is he's taken a poem that seems to be about a father telling his son that, uh, 
you know, the values of masculinity that you should treasure are the ones where you strive to achieve despite facing setbacks. Sure. Essentially. Yes. Uh, he's taken that to mean, uh, just gamble your money away and then try to make it back. It's fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. It's fine. It's cool. Yeah. Just fucking do it already, old man. Fucking just do it. fucking do it. Why are you yelling at me? Do it already, okay? Ah. Just fucking go in there and gamble your money away and it's fine. You know, once I was at Crown Casino with my good friend Shane. Hello, Shane, if you're listening. Hey, Shane. Um, and I had, we were playing roulette. I had 35 ish dollars worth of chips yep and shane said hey nick next spin put it all on 23 and i said fuck off shane i'm not doing that like i'm not going to waste 35 bucks on one spin on a single number <laughs> and shane said to you but remember that red red yard kipling thing it's like uh you read the money whole- on that one and then you'll be a man my son <laughs> <laughs> good rhyming yep um uh if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs that's the only line from that poem that i know off the top of my head it's a good line um it's not too bad uh them and then yeah so shane said put it all on number 23 i said no i'm not doing that and then legitimately number 23 came up and if i had placed that 30 if i placed all 35 dollars on that bet and it was in melbourne so they have a double zero so it's 35 times 37 i believe uh, $1,295. And then, you know, you would have wasted it. You would have fucked up somehow. I would have drank it all. Yeah. And then you would die. It would be bad. That'd be great. <laughs> so, uh, Abe spends the money on fixing the old folks' home. 13, 11, 14, by the way, for anyone who feels like dying would be great. Yep. Sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't <laughs> make light of things like that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Abe spends his money on the, uh, the old folks' home. It takes six months, which, uh... Considering the weird pacing of the show, I guess, means that it just doesn't really happen at some sort of future point. I feel like this last scene is, like, after everything else in the series has already happened. Oh, I thought you were, were going to say it's a secondary egg flip. Oh, so, so you think this is a time pass and then we get, like, a montage scene? Like, I a, feel like the rest of the series, the entire series, is set in the six months before it gets fixed. Okay, interesting. That's my theory. That's my okay, take. Cool. I'm into it. So that was old money. Good episode. Yeah, We've spent a fucking long time on it. Although I probably will cut some of this out so people will be listening like, it's been 25 minutes, what are you talking about? Season 2, episode 18. How the fuck did they not get that B was a real person? Brush (laughs) with greatness. Brush with greatness. Or as I like to call it, another triumph! Fucking John Lovitz is such a goddamn treasure in this episode. Just a real force for good in the world. Yes, through this episode, through his presence in this episode... He he makes good things happen. Yes. In the world. This is a good episode. Mm-hmm. Not only because it is enjoyable, but because the people in it keep doing good things. That is true. Chalkboard gag. I will not hide behind the Fifth Amendment. Um, now, I'm pretty sure the Fifth Amendment is the right to silence. I'm going to check this up very quickly. I've had 35 minutes to check this fact up. Haven't done it until now. Fifth Amendment. Check it up. Fifth Amendment. Check it up. Uh, protects individuals from being compelled to be witnesses against themselves in criminal cases. So that is the right to silence. Uh, which, you know what? In the school, this is actually, I think this is maybe the most on point chalkboard gag I've seen so far. Okay. Because <laughs> normally they're, they're weird things like, you know, I will stop reporting that I've seen Elvis or stuff like that. Um, but I'll yeah, stop doing I've, that thing with my tongue that's with my, haunted yeah. me. Oh, I'm not into that. Um, I'll stop selling land in Florida. All those ones. Whereas this one, yeah, I'm not sure that Bart... I, I don't think he gets the protection of the Fifth Amendment at school. Yeah. Unless he's being accused of a crime, in which case he could. And it's just a real possibility. Real possibility. Hey, Nick. Nick. Got a, got a question for you. Sure. Will you take me to Mount Splashmore? Um, you're going to have to ask me more time Will you take that. me to Mount Splashmore? To where? Nick, will you yeah. take me to Mount Splashmore? If I say yes, can we go on to the next segment? Uh, no, we have to keep on this one, because I actually do want to talk about this. Right. The the thing where the kids ask Homer for like a day straight, will you take us to Mount Splashmore? Yeah. I think about this often, because I often wonder how many kids saw this scene <laughs> and then thought, that's fucking clever, <laughs> and started doing it. And it worked, because it seems 
isn't that what a lot of a lot of children's advertising isn't mm. that um leveraging off what advertisers refer to as pester power of just we'll make this thing seem really cool to kids and they'll keep pestering mum and dad to do it yep so i reckon there's actually a full-on thing. I don't know if Pesto Powers was a thing before this episode. Maybe this episode is responsible for the commercialization of our children. Yeah, sure, it's this episode. But what I think it's really doing is laying bare, like, what advertising is generally doing. Just, oh, sure. uh, you know, the children take this message and lay it down so blatantly and so consistently mm. and so thoroughly that the parents must relent eventually because sure. it is... Uh, I don't know, I remember watching this episode as a kid and thinking, I don't think I could get away with that, but yeah. damn is that smart. Damn is yeah. that a good way to go to the water park. And, um, uh, I mean, the, the ad- advertising laid bare thing is an interesting one because the the song that Krusty sings really does just cut the crap and get straight to the point. <laughs> I'm going to go to Mouse Flashmore, take me there now. Now, 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 now. now, now, now. now. Mouse Flashmore, take me there right now. Yeah, yeah way I better mean, than that song you wrote about Mouse Flashmore. Oh, look, Do you remember how that goes, by the way? There's no, oh, <laughs> there's no need to bring up my Splashmore song. Um, you know, uh, my name is Nick, and I'm here to say I want to go to Mount Splashmore today. Actually, that was a pretty good performance. <laughs> wow! Can I hire you as a co-writer for that song? Yes. Sick. My starting fee is sixteen hundred dollars a verse. Fuck! Did you just? I don't know if that's even a good rate or not. But well, it, it means that if you write... Oh, no, I was going to say if you write 10 verses, you'll get $106,000 and then you'll be like B, but 16 times 10 does not equal 106. <laughs> um, I've got a Simpsons rule in my life, but I think you want to talk about Mouth Splashmore a little bit more. Uh, well, there's, there's some interesting stuff here, I think, uh, this opening. I let a really nice Bart and Lisa moments. Mm-hmm. In this whole section, I really like that they seem to be pals in this one. That's good. They're, they're palling around there, you know, having they're, a good time. They're not off solving a mystery, which is, I think, your favorite iteration of Bart and Lisa. Yep, I do love a good Bart and Lisa mystery. It is good when they team up to solve stuff. I was hoping for a Bart and Lisa mystery spinoff series that never happened. Oh, that'd uh, be great. I'd, I'd actually, I'd watch the shit out of that. <laughs> and I hate content. Yeah, you do hate content. You're kind of angry just to be in this room right now. Uh, when Homer gets stuck in Mount Splashmore in the pipe, by the way, because I haven't said yet, this episode is the one where Marge has to paint Mr. Burns and, uh, Ringo Starr's in it and Homer's trying to lose weight. Uh, Homer gets stuck going down the water slide in that tube. I think about that scene often because that is like a nightmare scenario for me, just being stuck in a space like that. And then there being other people. Like, I think about the yeah. first kid who hits Homer. Yeah. And then there are other kids behind him. And I know yeah. that these people aren't real. By the way, Nick, none of these people yeah, are real. It's a, it's, it's a cartoon. It's still it's still terrifying. I man. know that you got scared because you thought the kids were getting hurt, but it's, it's not real. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think about, you know, being in that situation, being the kid who's crammed up between... You know what I realized in tonight's watching for the first time? That's Hom- a cartoon. Homer real. should have drowned. Homer should have drowned. Because he's... So, he's feet first, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, his his gut blocks the pipe. And then it's clear from the shot we see... For, uh, the other shots we see of his legs that there's no water coming through at all. Oh, shit. All that true. water should be backing up and he should drown. And his arms are pinned by his side and there's nothing he could do to stop himself drowning. And all those kids should have drowned. And then the rest of the series is several death dreams. Yeah. It's the reconstructed death dreams of those children. Mm-hmm. And that's why Homer has such a shitty life after this, because they're just thinking about what they would want him to go through. Yeah, I only realized that t- today. Have, how many wa- Have you been on water slides? I've been on one water slide in my 30 point. Seven years. I've actually been on several water slides. They're good fun. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. I've just been on the one at the Marion Swimming Center. I've been on that one. Oh, wait. No, I mean, sorry. Not the not the, not the, the new one. The old one. Yeah, I've been in the old one. The old outdoor one. I'm glad that you clarified for our listeners. <laughs> I haven't been. Very invested. I don't care the about the Marian listeners. Water slide. I don't care about the listeners. I'm here to clarify for you. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. That'd be I the do first care iTunes about. review. I don't care about the listeners, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> this is Nick, by the way. 
Yeah, water slides are good. Uh, okay. This episode, also good. What ruined your life? Uh, what ruined my life is there's a bit where um, John Lovitz's character is the art teacher. He overstates something. And the the Simpsons way of overstating things in the positive has actually started to ruin my life because it means that people don't uh, people who don't know me yeah. have no idea what I mean. So, when he's going through Marge's art portfolio to see if she can if she's good enough to join the class, she says, "Oh, so I'm I'm in the class then?" or something to that effect. And he says, "My dear, there wouldn't be a class without you." I could easily imagine myself saying that and then have the other person sitting across the table saying, "So, Wait. So if I can't come, you 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 cancel the class. And I'm like, well, no. I'm just I'm I'm emphasizing how important you are. But I don't know. Is that why that art program you ran for kids never quite took off? Because mm-hmm. none of them got your reference. One thing I've learned as a teacher is that kids don't get these Simpsons references. So yeah, how many um how many of your lectures contain Simpsons references? Literally all of them. <laughs> Literally all of them. Yes, and how every many single the, one of them. How many of those references are understood? Uh, there'll be like one one student in every class who's on it. Yeah. And I've nice. got like a bond with that student yeah. because they understand. Peppy. Peppy, yes. Yeah. Pepsi. Oh, Pepsi. Pepsi. What happens in this one here? Marge goes to art class. It is an uncommon success. Uh, one thing I like about this episode, like I said, everyone's just really nice to everyone else. John Lovitz is a very encouraging teacher. He's very nice to Marge. Homer is super supportive of her in this one. Uncommonly supportive. Totally. Uh, the kids are supportive of both of their parents who are both going through things in this episode. Yeah. This is a really supportive episode. And the reason for that is so that when Mr. Burns pops up and does uh. his little thing, Mr. Burns, of course, the seventh Simpson after Springfield the Town itself, which to me is the sixth Simpson, is... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Burns is a real piece of shit in this one. So it's so all all of their support is serves only to heighten his douchebaggery. Absolutely. Um my favorite uh John Lovett's supportive art teacher uh quote is when he tells someone, Step away! Now it belongs to the ages. Which <laughs> is a wonderful, it's wonderful lovely. concept. Well, that's what I say every time we finish recording a podcast. <laughs> Oh, is that where you got that from? Yeah. Uh, uh. So, you know what I find really interesting here? Because, of, uh, of course, we get the flashback to when Mart was... Uh, Mart. To when Marge <laughs> was an art student and she was doing all these paintings of Ringo Starr. Mart, we have to go back. <laughs> um, back to the future, Marge. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just got where you were going with that. Um, hey, teacher, Mart, it's your cousin. <laughs> Um, Gary McFly. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Don't worry about it. Just carry on. I mean, I know it's Back to the Future, but <laughs> um, uh, yes. And she sent off some fan mail to Ringo Starr, including a portrait of him. Uh, and then we see twenty. I years- hung it on me wall. I hung it on me wall. I'm Ringo. Uh, I'm Ringo. Twenty years later, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so- I got blisters on me fingers. <laughs> twenty years later, we see. Um, more than 20 years later, actually, we see Ringo responding to all the fan mail. And then... It, 20 it, years ago today. His... Bu- oh, Sergeant Pepper told the band, etc. Uh, Princess Leia's stolen Death Star plans. Um, yeah, that's right. I made a pop culture reference. <laughs> um, what on earth? Uh, and Ringo's butler says, um, uh, uh, Sir, the devotion to your fans is remarkable, but... You know, don't you think it puts too much pressure on you to respond to all the fan mail? <laughs> and he says, I don't care if it takes... Oh, no, I can't do... Can I do Ringo? Yeah, I don't care how long it takes, I'm Ringo, I am. <laughs> uh, hang on. Um, uh, uh, Liverpool, Ling- Ringo. Don't care if it takes 20... It's almost chugged along. Oh, no, he, he is lower, isn't he? I don't care if it takes me 20 years, I'm going to write them all back. That's terrible. But anyway, he says he's going to write all his fans back twenty years uh, in 20 years' time. Well, I'll tell you what happened 20 years after this. Ringo put up a video on Twitter, I think it was, saying, you know, I love all my fans, I love you all, but please stop writing to me. I'm not going to respond to any more of your letters. It, ta- it takes too much of my time. Anyway, peace, peace and, and love, love. Peace and love. Peace and love, <laughs> Ringo. So, I don't know. Do you reckon... 
And now I wonder, did people see this episode of The Simpsons and go, does he really respond to all that? He's an open book, he is. Does he really respond to all the I did mark? think uh, this is the most blatant celebrity He's in love. yet. Oh, yeah. And it's true. incredibly simpering. <laughs> it is so, like, his butler appears and literally tells Ringo what a great dude he is. True. Although, but... But does find when he first finds the portrait, he says, "Hey, who's the mop top with the big schnoz?" <laughs> Which is, I mean, for for a cameo that then turns they out would to be not have very... shown him that section of the script because <laughs> uh, the rest of it is very sycophantic. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I enjoy that. I mean, that is the first they managed to get all three living beetles on the show. That is the first beetle that they check off. Yes, first beetle, and of the course, first beetle that they. Fifth beetle. The first beetle that they check off. You mean Chekhov's beetle? I do. No, I don't mean Chekhov's beetle. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah, we get Ringo. He's he's a lovely man in this episode. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Hey, that's that's too northern for. Oh. The other thing that I was wondering about this is that Ringo rides back to Marge to say, "Hang it on me wall." How the hell does he find her address though? Yeah, because she sent this letter off when she was a schoolgirl. Yeah. They weren't living at 742 Evergreen Terrace when she was a schoolgirl. Yeah. And more to the point, so he returns it to Marge Bouvier. She's no longer called that. How does it find her? The mail, the mail in uh, Springfield must be have the best redirection service the ever. Best, the best redirection service ever. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I would love a good redirection service. Hey, to pay so hey, much money. Speaking of that, you you're renting a place now, aren't you? Yes. Um. So for any listeners, because I don't know when this will come out. This will come out in a few weeks' time. But uh, we are currently in the middle of the um, Australian uh, postal survey for the marriage equality law. Yep. Did you get other surveys rocking up from previous renters of the house that hadn't updated their addresses? No, I haven't actually. I get so much mail for previous occupants, right, but not on this one. Well, because there was an election not that long ago, so yeah, we all true. had to make sure our addresses um, were up to date. But a friend of mine who shall remain nameless for the purposes of this podcast, because I don't know how this will be treated in the future, mm-hmm. but a friend of mine had four surveys for previous tenants rock up oh, to really? their rented address. So they filled out all of them as yes and posted them all back. Huh. I mean, probably shouldn't have done that, but still. Nope. As much as, you know, obviously I voted yes because it is the only ethical thing to do. It's the only option. To Just to be clear, the, it's a survey sent out asking, do you believe that same-sex couples should be allowed to marry? Yeah. Or and the answer is yes. If you said no, that's the wrong answer. That's it's, actually the wrong answer. Yeah. And there's no room for debate on this, you know, it's not being mean to say, uh, you know, it's not okay to vote no, because if you vote no, you are saying that people who love people with, you know, people of the same gender as them don't deserve the same rights you do, and that's not, like, a fair thing to say, that's a hateful thing, I know that probably none of our listeners feel that way, but whatever, I'm going to put it on the record anyway. Yep. Yes was the right way to vote, no is wrong. Okay, so, back to The Simpsons. Are okay. we still talking about The Simpsons? Was that the show we were... I think we're still talking about The Simpsons. Uh, okay, this is the second episode this season that has ended on a note of uh, Marge having to make a statement about an artistic penis. Shit. Yeah. I hadn't even clicked on that. Yeah, so it was, first of all, Michelangelo's David. Yep, a few episodes now, ago. And now her own interpretation of Burnsy. Yeah, this time she draws a portrait of Mr. Burns, because I can't remember if we even mentioned this, but the plot of this episode is that Marge has to paint a picture of Mr. Yeah. Burns, because uh, he needs a portrait for like a, what is it, like a museum uh, wing it, or yeah, something? The, yeah, the opening of the Monty Burns wing of a museum or a hospital or something. Yeah, so she draws Mr. Burns naked because she says, uh, you know, naked. he's the same, nude. He's the nude. same as all of us underneath. Look at him, he's all vulnerable and frail and weird. He's got this little shriveled up penis. And, uh, yeah, and this is the second time she has had to defend a cartoon dick. Defend the artistic a, merits an, of... An art dick, I should say. Defend the artistic merits of art dick. This one is done so much better than the previous one that it almost makes me wonder... If somebody in the writing room was like, I'd like to take another crack at this. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, remember that issue? I've had some more thoughts about it. <laughs> I had a couple of revelations while I was uh, eating dinner. 
Can we get another cartoon dick in the writing room, please? <laughs> yeah, don't think we quite nailed the Marge's pro Artie Dick. <laughs> Artie Dick. <laughs> As opposed to Artie Ziff, Artie Dick. Oh, sweet. Artie Dick, that comedian from the 30s. So, uh, there's a line in this one where... What's her name? Hoover. Hoover sees the painting and she says... He's bad, but he'll die. So I like it. Mm. I think about that line all the time. I think <laughs> it is an excellent line. It's one of those rare lines that never applies to anything in real life, but is constantly on my mind anyway. Interesting. I can't break it out, but I just think about how good that line is. Would you say that in that way it has <clears throat> ruined your life? I would say that my life is just fine. Oh. I don't know what it is that you're implying. Well... I mean, this was your segment, and we haven't had any fodder for it for a long time now. Another triumph! Another triumph! <laughs> um, another point here for the um, for the infinality of Brass. So, <laughs> yes. you will recall that in several episodes previously, Brass instruments have been referred to as infernal, as in, you know, being of the fires of hell, I suppose. Yep. Um uh, yes, Burn, ref- uh, Burns once again refers to Lisa's saxophone playing as infernal tootling. So, I mean... Burns being the very thing you would do in hell, by the way. Interesting. Really getting deep here. Yeah, really getting deep. Deep. deep in hell. There's another thing that I was thinking about while watching this, and this is another... I've seen this episode like 60 times, but now that I'm sitting here with a pen in hand, I have a different thought about it because I... Crossed off my final note, by the way. <laughs> I turned to you at one point... And said, uh, why is Mr. Burns showering in that place? And then you said it's because he's preparing for a board meeting. I thought about that. I thought, it makes no sense at all that Mr. Burns is staying at their house to get painted rather than Marge going to Mr. Burns' manor to paint him there. And I thought the only reason they've done this is because, one, they need Mr. Burns to make fun of Homer in one scene, so Marge yes. can kick him out. Yes. And they also need Marge to see him naked, and it only really makes sense in their own house to have yeah. that happen. So they've kind of like, it's a thing where obviously they did it really well, because I never thought about it until just now. It never yeah. actually bothered me for a moment. But mm. now I'm thinking, like, oh yeah, that doesn't actually make sense, does it? Mm. That's pure just plot convenience. I mean, it works, so whatever. It is It is fun when you peek behind the curtain and go, oh, hang on a minute, that's an unnecessary plot device. Yeah, you peek behind the curtain, it's, or in this case, the towel, and you see Mr. Hey, Burns' fishy little oh, dick. It's just fishy. It's just like the um, in like the first or the second episode where Homer tears the pork chop bag open, the inflatable squeezy dog toy pork chop bag open. Uh, Mr. Simpson, you dropped your pork chop. That was pretty good. Just <laughs> so it could fall out so Todd can squeeze it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Simpson, you can drop your pork chop. Give me that. That was an astonishing. I sorry. I I'm gonna rev- I'm just gonna rewind for a moment. I thought I thought that you were starting a third impression, and you were gonna go. And I thought you'd lost your mind, but actually you were just doing a lovely little squeaky toy noise. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um. Two pretty good episodes. Very good episodes. Another triumph. You know what? I'm going to say it. I like this television show, The Simpsons. Uh, yeah, I'm into it. I think it's got a bright future ahead of it. Going to be a bright, bright, bright Simpsony day. Simpsony day. Um, so we've been, uh, this is Pods on the King of Springfield. We're at the end of this episode. I'm Nick, by the way. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Ivis. That's James. You can yep, find I'm him on Twitter. Guy. Yep, I'm Jekyll. J-I-C-K-L-E. We are on Twitter as Key Springfield. Key Springfield. We're on Facebook, Pods in the Key of Springfield. Pods in the Key of Springfield. We're on whichever podcaster thing you use to listen to this right now, so we're on that. They've probably found it by this point. Yeah. Uh, If you're on iTunes, please rate and subscribe and do all the things you know that you're meant to do. It makes an irritatingly large difference to whether or not people will listen to us. Yeah, apparently. apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's I've been the, uh, the, you know, there's some magic behind this. We're already well outside the new and fresh category thing, but whatever, it's fine. We'll just keep digging up, stupid. Yes. So that was another episode of the very podcast that you just listened to. Uh, thank you for listening, as always. It's really hard to know how to end these things. I tend to just ramble on for a bit. Uh, 
Woozle Wuzzle, I think, is the line that I have started to say. What is yours? What do you say, Nick? What's your thing? What is it? What is it? What do you say? Take a step back. Now it belongs to the ages. Yeah, pretty good. All right, bye. 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 Yeah, that was okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like Spinal Tap in the bus. Good show last night. Yeah, it was all right. Good. It's back to an episode the other day that we put up an episode of the podcast of our podcast and at the start of it i complained about having a sore throat and i was like i still have a sore throat (laughs) it's three months later (laughs) and then i thought about it and i was like well in august 2016 i had laryngitis which i think i've talked about before yeah it's it's on the record it's on the record and then I was like, now that I think about it, I've had a sore throat since then. <laughs> it's pushing 13 months now. Should I go see a doctor? <laughs> and I told that to one of my friends at work and she was just like, yes. Of course, you should, is of course yes. you should go see a doctor. And I was like, yeah, fuck. Oh, it's weird that I've just never considered that as an option. <laughs> it's almost like I'm really stupid. <laughs>